Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Massage experience. Oh, yeah. Form pools and spas. Best spas. Best experience. We have in-stock hot tubs for immediate delivery. Listen, and you'll know. First of all, if you haven't heard this yet, I love this. Rod Arquette on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. It sounds like, as Abby just mentioned in her newscast a moment ago, the uh, tragedy in Afghanistan has now hit home. Uh, Staff Sergeant Taylor Hoover, a U.S. Marine from Utah, as reported just a moment ago, is among the 13 U.S. service members who were killed in Thursday's attack outside the Kabul airport. Uh, The U.S. Marine, according to this report in the Deseret News tonight from Utah, among the 13 U.S. service members who were killed in that attack yesterday, family and friends have now confirmed that uh, Staff Sergeant Taylor Hoover died in the devastating suicide bombing. We do have clarification. There was only one. Um, there were All day yesterday, we were reporting that there were two bombs, but now we're being told by the Pentagon there was just one suicide bomber outside the uh, airport and near that hotel where a lot of Americans were staying. Uh, Major General Hank Taylor of the Pentagon's Joint, Cha- Joint Staff Confirm there was only one bombing suspect outside or a bomb outside um, the airport's Abbey Gate. But uh, Staff Sergeant Taylor Hoover, a U.S. Marine from Utah, and we're now working to get more details for you uh, among those who was killed in that attack outside the Kabul airport. So the tragedy there in Afghanistan has come home. How are you, everybody? Welcome to the Rod Arquette Show. Hello, Utah. It is Thank Rod, it's Friday, and we're glad to be with you this afternoon. That's sobering news, of course, that one of our own was killed in Afghanistan yesterday. And as Abby just mentioned, another uh, serviceman from uh, Wyoming also was killed in that. So a lot to think about as we head into the weekend. It has been a crazy, crazy week, and it's great to have you here on the show. We want you to be a part of it today. 888-5708010, or on your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say, hey, Rod. And like I mentioned, we've got a lot to get to. Uh, Jeffrey Lord will join us. Jeff, of course, worked for uh, President Reagan in the White House. When uh, President Reagan was there in the 1980s, uh, Brad Wilson, Speaker of the Utah House, will join us a little bit later on. He wrote a real interesting article about um, redistricting and how important it is and the time crunch that they are now facing. We'll talk about that. Greg Shirley will join us. Now, if you don't know Craig Shirley, he is a well-known historian who probably knows as much about Ronald Reagan as almost anybody. There are renewed comparisons now out there between... uh, Joe Biden and Jimmy Carter, and we'll take you back to the Carter days, and Craig will talk about the comparisons between the two if it is if it is real. And let me tell you what, I sure do, because many of you, like me, lived through the Carter years. You know what it was like in this country at the time, and, um, and we'll talk about that in the 5 o'clock hour and a lot to get to in the 6 o'clock hour as well. So as always... We invite you to be a part of the program. As I mentioned, the phone number to call, 888-5708010, 888-5708010, or on your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say, hey, Rod. 
I want you to think about this because, I, you know, uh, since the events of yesterday, there are a lot of people out there who are, you know, wondering what's going on in the country, why we have gotten to this situation. And the one thing that, um, that I worry about right now, and I think a lot of you worry about it as well, is the fact that I think we are so screwed. I mean, we really are if you think about it. Unless something happens, and we don't want it to happen, I'm not in any way wishing for anything bad to happen to Joe Biden. But uh, Joe Biden will be in office if everything goes, you know, the way I think people think it may, until January of 2025. Think about that for a minute. Now, on Inauguration Day, you know, um, we all were saying, okay, he campaigned as a moderate Uh, He spoke in the inauguration address about uniting America again, that the adults were back in charge in the White House. That's what we were told. But ever since then, I mean, think about this. Insane spending, disastrous climate extremism. We've had heavy contributions to the cultural rot that is taking place. And now we have horrid foreign policy guidance. This coming from a team of egghead, I guess we could call them, academics, wholly unappreciative of the toughness, the toughness that is really needed to position America in a very dangerous world. Donald Trump understood, and the people who work for Donald Trump understood, that the bad guys in the world understand one thing, toughness and strength. And if you don't show them that, guess what? They will take advantage of you. Now, the exit decision by Joe Biden was really no surprise because Donald Trump made the same decision when he was in office. He had blazed a trail for the Afghan withdrawal, okay? Uh, A continuation was expected, and we all knew that Joe Biden would try and get us out as well. But, you know, was anybody aware you do have to have a plan in place? I mean, um, you know, (laughs) tell you, you know, you don't, you have to have a plan. Donald Trump had a plan. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, you know, he didn't have a plan. Yes, he did. Donald Trump had a plan. He had certain conditions that the Taliban had to meet before the U.S. started withdrawing air forces. One of them, by the way, was to keep Bagram. Did Joe Biden do that? No, he did not do that. So you have to have a plan in place. Now, Joe Biden uh, agreed to a plan that involved a military exit, a military exit before Americans and countless supportive Afghans were safely ill. Now, who told him? I mean, think about this. Who told Joe Biden that that approach to withdrawing from Afghanistan was a good idea? Did Joe Biden even really think this through? Um, we, you know, I would have no idea. But there are people who do have an idea, superior mine certainly to mine, and maybe, maybe many of yours, to come up with a plan. We know it was going to be complex, but the plan, I mean, this plan of getting the military out first and then the civilians and the equipment out second and third, you know, this was, it screamed of danger, didn't it? I mean, it really, really screamed of danger. Now, we understand that Joe Biden's cognitive decline is now recognizable. We all can see it, right? Leading to speculation, I think, on a lot of our parts as to who is really calling the day-to-day judgment calls, large and small. 
and nobody has knows that or has that. And that's why I want to bring up this point, that we are so screwed. I mean, we really are. I mean, we're in a crisis right now. Joe Biden's trying to figure out a way. Matter of fact, I want to play this soundbite for you. Uh, I've got this, Dan, if you've got a, that on the soundbite bar. This is James Carville. Now, James Carville, as you all know, is a big, big Democrat, helped Bill Clinton win the White House back in 1992. Well, he was on MSNBC News last night with Brian Carville. And there are a few Democrats out there now who are coming to the defense of Joe Biden, basically saying, well, you know, it was really Donald Trump's fault. You know, if Donald Trump wouldn't have done this, Joe Biden wouldn't have had to do what he had to do. Now, last night with Brian Williams, James Carville was asked if come the midterms next November of 2022, will voters in America remember Joe Biden and what has happened in Afghanistan? Well, first of all, there's no elegant way to lose a war. We lost this war 15 years ago. All Joe Biden was doing is telling us what time it is. And the hysterical and stupid coverage of the mainstream press, this is it's just, it's been awful. Just read New York Magazine, uh, uh, Josh Marshall on Talking Point. I, what's hurting Biden's approval now more than anything is this virus has, has come back when people thought, thought, thought that it was not. But it, it's kind of hard to, to know. And Admiral Mullen, who's one of the most courageous people in uniform, who said, look, I was just wrong about this in 2011. I'm one of the few people in this whole establishment that recognized the fact that this was a lost war and Biden didn't do anything but tell us the truth. And the evacuations are actually going much better than, than a lot of people expected. But there's no good way to lose war, right? I, I, was, you know, I didn't serve in Vietnam, but I was in the Vietnam era. And we lost that war. It, it looks bad. The country looks bad. When you lose a war, you don't look good. This war was lost a long time ago in He's absolutely right. When you, when you lose a war, you don't look good. And that's exactly what the United States looks like today. And a lot of people are now are again comparing Joe Biden to Jimmy Carter. And we'll talk about that coming up on the Rod Kent Show. Great to have you along on this Thank Rod is Friday. We absolutely love Friday here on the Rod Kent Show. If you want to be a part of the discussion today, 888-570-8010, 888-570-8010, or on your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say, hey, Rod Moore, the Rod Kent Show coming up. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground. Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Utah's COVID-19 Task Force has asked me to share a few things with you about COVID-19 and the vaccine. Now, a lot of people say, will I experience long-term side effects from the vaccine? It's very likely. Well, it's true, and we don't have any years of data from the COVID-19 vaccines. We do have hundreds of years of knowledge about the human body and how they react to vaccinations. 
Plus, because COVID-19 affected millions of people around the world, all at the same time, scientists go to study the, eff- the effects of the vaccine. Check it out today at Coronavirus and Sapphires in Town. Now you have a friend in the jewelry business, Shane Company, open every day. All right, welcome back to the Rod Arquette Show here on Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you'll know, don't forget, coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, being Friday, that means it's Thank Rod is Friday, and we'll open up the phones to you and let you weigh in. There's so much going on. The University of Utah and uh, Utah State today both announced that they will require students to get the COVID-19 vaccine if they want to go to class this year. That's one of the things we'll talk about coming up in the uh, in the 5 o'clock hour. By the way, if you're just joining us now, uh, we've gotten word that uh, Staff Sergeant Taylor Hoover, he is a U.S. Marine from Utah, among the 13 U.S. service members killed in that attack outside the Kabul airport uh, yesterday. Uh, family and friends have confirmed that he died in the devastating suicide bombing that also left well over 100 Afghans dead as well, and Abby is trying to get more details on that for you, and she'll have an update for you in just about 10 minutes here on the Radar Ketchup. Now, uh, to say the least, it's been a rather tough week for Joe Biden. Uh, it's been a tough week for all of us here in America to see uh, what is happening in Afghanistan. As a matter of fact, the last couple of weeks, I mean, if you throw in the fact that the U.S. Supreme Court has told Joe Biden you have to put back in place the Remain in Mexico policy, a policy that Donald Trump instituted, and you also, this eviction moratorium, it got tossed out by the Supreme Court. So you've got the Supreme Court striking that down, and then you have the the tragedy in Afghanistan. Joining us on our newsmaker line, Jeffrey Lord. He writes for the American Spectator, served in the Reagan White House many, many years ago. Tough week, wasn't it, Jeff, for uh, Joe Biden? Boy, you know, it is just unbelievable. And uh, as I told you off air, I'm walking around very historic sites in Boston, and you think of the American Revolution and the beginning of it and what went on in all of American history since. I, I, I just, I am stunned at the conduct of the president in this situation. What happened I mean, this here? this is really, yeah. really bad. What happened here, yeah. Jeff? Did he just totally misread this? Was he stubborn? He wanted everybody out by 9-11? What happened here, Jeff? Well, I'll, I think I can shed some light on this. Just out of uh, curiosity, I went back and took a look at the memoirs of President Gerald Ford, who was president when Saigon fell and the Vietnamese War ended badly and all this sort of thing. And sure enough, he has a specific reference to Joe Biden, who is the freshman senator from Delaware, was a member of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. They requested a meeting with Ford, told him they were cutting off funds, Ford objective. Biden would not yield. He said he would he would pay to get Americans out, but he was not going to help the Vietnamese. Ford said, you know, this is cut and run. If you do this, chaos will descend. They did it anyway, and chaos descended. So in other words, he's, this is not his first rodeo with this. This is who he is. And on top of that, I think you get this arrogance. Um, <laughs> I laughed. I, I, took a, I took a look at Neville Chamberlain who, you know, was such oh, yeah. a disastrous yeah. choice, but he told his brother when he became prime minister that he was going to be his own foreign minister because he knew so much about foreign policy. And his <laughs> brother, who had been a foreign minister, said, 
Neville, you forget, you don't know anything about foreign policy. <laughs> <laughs> I wish someone would Which be telling to be yeah, very true. Yeah, right? I wish and someone I would tell that to uh, Yeah, I wish someone would tell that to Joe Biden, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, the the messaging coming out of the White House, the State Department, the Pentagon it's all been so confusing. Biden would say every one thing, and then his the State Department or the Pentagon would come out and say, "Well, not necessarily." I mean, it has been one big screw up. Yes, yes, exactly. I mean, I, having worked in the White House, I can tell you, at a staff level, this this is a huge failure. Um, they they've got to know their boss. They've got to know how to deal with it. They've got to know how to tell a no. Uh, all of those kind of things. I don't think any of those things were in play. The fact that he says uh, there was no dissent from any of his generals, well, what does that tell you about the, the shape of the mil- American military at, at, at the top when they're more concerned about uh, uh, critical race theory uh, than they are about getting people <laughs> in an orderly fashion out of Afghanistan? Uh, it's, it's just very bad all the way. And I, and I think, Rod, he's going to pay a price for it. I mean, I think there's going to be increasing calls for impeaching him or uh, employing the 25th Amendment to get an opinion from the cabinet to have him resign. Uh, It's bad. Well, Jeff, and we're with him for really another three, four years. I mean, he officially doesn't leave office until, what, January 20th of 2025. I mean, he's going to be around for a while. Yeah, and, and, you know, when when you sort of look at, 30,000 feet, it's not just Afghanistan. It's the southern border. <laughs> it's the uh, COVID stuff, mandatory mass and vaccine. I mean, on and on and on, these, these problems are going with him. And uh, you're going to see more of it without any question. The, the, the comparisons between him and Jimmy Carter are starting to surface again. You know, it, that happened first when he came into office. They kind of died down because he didn't have a foreign policy issue that he had to deal with. And now he's got one. And all of a sudden, the comparisons are coming again. You were in that Reagan White House. You were part of that effort. Are those comparisons fair now, do you think, Jeff? Yeah, yeah to Jimmy Carter, they are. And, and I think he's even more so. Uh, as I well remember with Jimmy Carter, and I'm sure you may as well, uh, energy, the gas lines, waiting an hour in line to get gasoline, inflation and all of this. But then the piece de resistance, as it were, was the hostage crisis, the Iranian hostage crisis. And in uh, April of 1980, suddenly Jimmy Carter is on television explaining to the American people that he launched a rescue mission for the hostages. Well, Helicopters crashed in the desert. Mm-hmm. I think there were some people killed. The whole thing was a disaster, and it was just total incompetence. And that sealed his fate with Ronald Reagan. Reagan carried 44 states in November uh, because the, the cumulative weight of all of that was very bad. And uh, I think this everything that's going on right now is going to, I mean, I imagine Democratic members of Congress are petrified for 2022. Well, I was going to ask you that. How do you think this plays out? We've got midterm elections coming up in a little bit more than a year from now. Uh, how much is this going to be on the minds of the American people when they go to the polls next year, Jeff? A, a lot. You, you know, that, that iconic photograph of the liftoff from the embassy in Saigon, you know, lives in history. I, I I can guarantee you that the images we've seen of thousands of Afghan Afghanis surging through the runway there in the middle of a, a you know as a U.S. Air Force jet tries to take off with people trying to clamber up on the plane, those images are not going to go away. They are now part of the Biden history, and 
I, I mean, you can just imagine the television commercials. As a matter of fact, Donald Trump has already put together one in which some of that is there. <laughs> I've noticed that. Uh, how about the Supreme Court rulings, Jeff, on the eviction moratorium and also on the Remain in Mexico policy, two other major setbacks for the Biden administration? Yes, yes. Well, you know, Joe Biden himself said uh, on the eviction notice that, that uh, there was uh, plenty of uh, thought that it wasn't constitutional. Well, he found he found the right people to agree with. <laughs> <laughs> Over the in, in the coming weeks, Jeff, what are you going to be looking for? What are you going to keep your eye on to see how things start developing? Uh, he's got to restore some order to his foreign policy situation. I mean, he's got to get this under control. I mean, this is just an ongoing. Uh, I mean, I saw just looking at my phone a little bit ago um, that they're now saying that there were 200 Afghans killed in this uh, attack over there. Um, this is just going to go on and on and on, and every action produces a reaction, as the old saying of physics goes. And uh, it's going to be a problem for him, a very big problem. On our Newsmaker line, Jeffrey Lord. Jeff, thank you. He writes for the American Spectator, talking about Joe Biden, Afghanistan, and the rulings by the U.S. Supreme Court. All right, it's time, with this being Friday, it's time to fuel up Friday with Maverick and Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you'll know we have right now a $20 gift card to Maverick, maybe heading down the highway this weekend. Need to stop by for a cold drink or from snacks? Well, you can do it with a $20 gift card from Maverick and Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. We will take caller number three. Caller number three right now, 888-570-8010. That's equal T-O-O. Part of Seneca's conversations on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Rod Arquette Show on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. We'll take a little break from our uh, continuing coverage of what's going on in Afghanistan to uh, talk about another very important issue here in the state of Utah, and uh, it is facing a time crunch. Uh, Every 10 years after the census is taken, of course, we do what is called redistricting. You redistrict uh, various legislative seats, Utah's congressional delegation, those district maps are changed, even the maps in the districts representing the state school board, and that process has begun. Now it's been delayed because of COVID-19, so they're facing some real deadlines. Joining us on our newsmaker line to, uh, to uh, talk about the importance of this is State Representative Brad Wilson. Brad is the Speaker of the House of Representatives. Brad, thanks for joining us tonight. How difficult is it, Brad, let's be honest, to get people, people who will be affected by this, interested in this, or at least trying to pay a little attention to it? Well, it's... Uh it is something that we really hope people pay attention to. It, it matters a great deal that we do this in a way that they feel like they're getting the kind of representation that they're they're looking for. And um, it's a tricky process to figure out how to divide up four congressional uh, seats, uh, 29 state Senate seats, 75 House seats, and, and uh, 15 state school board seats. But uh, we do it every 10 years, and it always turns out pretty good. You've got some challenges this year, of course. Everything's been compressed because of COVID-19. What kind of challenges do those uh, present to you right now, Brad? Oh, they've 
they've created a lot of extra burden on our staff and the lawmakers that are going to do this. What normally would take us about six months is going to have to be done in about two months. And um, so, the, the for example, um, we uh, ten years ago took you know the summer mm-hmm. uh, really th- three three plus months to tour the state. Uh, they're having to do that in about four weeks, uh, and so. It's, uh, but we'll, we'll get it done. I mean, that's one thing that uh, we, we do really well here in Utah is our uh, our people, including lawmakers, rise to the occasion. And, and um, so we'll, we'll figure it out. And uh, uh, we do need people, though, to come out and share their feedback in these open houses that we'll have across the state so that we can understand their areas better and we can make better decisions when we ultimately draw the maps. What goes into uh, the decisions in, in, in dividing up districts and congressional districts? Uh, for an example, in the congressional districts, do you want every district to represent the same number of people in this, each district or in a, in a legislative district? Is it based on neighborhoods, numbers? How, without getting too deep in the weeds, Brad, how do you do this? Yeah, well, the overriding principle is what's called uh, one person, one vote. And um, so you want to have the districts as evenly distributed as possible. Um, but at the same time, uh, keep communities of interest together uh, when you can. Uh, but the truth is it's impossible to completely do that. <laughs> it's just <laughs> uh, because you've got, uh, you know, you've got to, to draw the map so that the districts are very even in size. And so uh, we, we try to balance all those interests. Um, you know, 10 years ago, uh, we had bipartisan support uh, for, I think, three of the four maps that we drew. And, and the, the other fun part about this is the public can get engaged. Um, so there's next week we'll release to the public a tool that they can go online and draw their own maps. And 10 years ago, the map that we basically used to draw the state school board districts was submitted by a citizen. So it's a great thing for people to understand and get involved in. How much is it going to change things now, knowing that you've got an independent redistricting committee as well working on this, Brett? How does that change things? Well, um, they will, uh, in some ways, mirror our process. They will go around the state, uh, I think. Um, We really don't... um, uh, because of the way it works, we don't really collaborate, but mm-hmm. I believe they're going to be going around the state and, uh, you know, learning some things as well. And then they will submit three different maps in each of those four categories. So they'll submit three maps for congressional districts, three maps for the Senate districts, et cetera. And we will use those um, as recommendations and and kind of see what their their thinking is, but we'll we will also take feedback from the public and their their ideas, and lawmakers will have their ideas. Ultimately, though, and this is really important, this responsibility uh, in our constitution rests with the state legislature. So, is there a likelihood, Brad, that what this independent uh, committee will recommend could be rejected by lawmakers, and that's just part of the constitution? How important will that be for the public to understand that, Brad? Well, it is really important. I mean, they're an advisory group, and um, they don't have the, the, the legal duty to do this um, in, in terms of making the final decision. They're charged with giving us some recommendations, uh, which we will take seriously, um, and, uh, and and we will. I mean, we've, we've met with the, the chairs, uh, the chair of that, and, and they're... 
their executive director. Um, they're good people. They're going to work really hard, and we will listen carefully to what they say. And, you know, with any luck, their one of their recommendations will look a lot like what we are coming up with on our own or is even better than what we've come up with. We'll just have to see. But um, the legislature takes this really seriously, and we're working really, really hard on it right now. Brad, how difficult is it um, when you have two districts that change and all of a sudden you've got two lawmakers who are currently uh, had been elected now competing against each other because their districts have changed? Do you try and avoid that? Is that something that is unavoidable? It's just going to happen? How do you deal with something like that, Brad? So there's all these competing interests, right? Yeah. <laughs> ultimately, we have to draw these districts so that they represent the areas, and, and it's kind of one person, one vote, and have them as equally in size as we can. Ten years ago, uh, we had two or three places where that occurred across the state, uh, where lawmakers um, ended up in the same districts after redistricting. And uh, I suspect that that will happen again because it's just kind of impossible to not have that happen as the state grows so much. I mean, there's some areas of the state, um, uh, in particular uh, areas of Salt Lake County, that are really undersized. They haven't grown. In fact, they've shrunk. And then you have other areas of the state, most notably kind of the northwest part of Utah County and the southwest part of Salt Lake County, Mm -hmm. that have grown just exponentially. And so as the population shifts and moves throughout the state, you end up having less members of the legislature from one area and more from another because that's where the people live. I was going to ask you that with the growth that we've seen in the last decade because of, you know, the growth that we have and the census information. I I mean, should we expect some significant differences in how these districts are made up because of the changes in population, Brad? Yeah, and that's actually the purpose of this. That's why we do it. As the population shifts and moves, you have to have representation, equal representation from the areas that have changed in size. And um, so, I mean, I'll give you an example. Um, I was talking yesterday with two lawmakers that uh, are members of, of the majority caucus in the House. One of them has the largest House district in the state right now, about 80,000 about 80,000 residents. Um, and when we did redistricting 10 years ago, the the size was 38,000 that we were targeting wow. for each wow. district. Wow. So that, so, <laughs> but the, the member that I had, the other member that I was talking with, um, his district hasn't grown at all. It is still 38,000. And so the average house district for, you know, across the state moving forward will be uh, about 41 or 42,000. And, um, so that's where it gets tricky. And, uh, but, but if you're, you know, if you live in those areas, if you live in the Northwest part of Utah County and you only have one member of the house of representatives, but someone somewhere else in the state, uh, that, uh, that has, has one member, but they have half as many people as you, that's the challenge we've got to fix. On our Newsmaker Line, Brad Wilson, Speaker of the Utah House, talking about uh, redistricting, which uh, PCLaptops.com. That's PCLaptops.com. At PC Laptops, we really do love you.
They're on Arquette Show here on Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you'll know. Thank God it's Friday coming up in the uh, 5 o'clock hour. So, uh, boys and girls, get your little uh, dialing fingers ready if you have uh, something to say about the events of this past week. And it has been an eventful week, right? Uh, We'll open up the phones to you in the 5 o'clock hour. Now, uh, I want to bring this up. Uh, It is back. The annual Greek festival, as a matter of fact, the 45th annual Greek festival, will get underway on September 10th through the 12th in downtown Salt Lake City. Talk about great, just absolutely delicious food and pastries, wonderful music, souvenirs. It's time to get your Greek on, as they like to say, and we're going to give you a chance to do it right now. We have a four-pack of tickets to give away to the 45th annual Salt Lake City Greek Festival coming up on September 10th through the 12th in downtown Salt Lake City. We've got a four-packet of tickets, and let's see, Dan, we'll give away caller number 5, caller number 5, 888-570-8010, 888-570-8010, caller number 5, if you want to win a four-pack of tickets, the upcoming Greek Festival getting underway September 10th through the 12th in downtown Salt Lake City. Caller number 5, 888-570-8010. All right, I doubt if this is going to end the debate, but there is a new study out there, um, an Israeli study, as a matter of fact, and here's what it shows. This is pretty amazing. It shows that natural immunity. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What if you could have a career? where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Natural Immunity is 13 times more effective than the vaccines that are stopping the Delta variant. I'll say that again so you're real clear. This is one study coming out of Israel. Again, it shows that natural immunity is 13 times more effective than vaccines at stopping the Delta variant. Now, the study, described by Bloomberg, as the largest real-world analysis comparing natural immunity gained from an earlier infection to the protection provided by one of the most potent vaccine issues currently in use. Now, the study compared those who had had COVID and had a natural immunity against those who got the Pfizer vaccine, the Pfizer vaccine. And it showed, again, this pretty amazing numbers, folks. And we're debating, and I just see today, that the University of Utah and Utah State will require students to get the COVID-19 vaccine if they want to go to school this year. But here you have a study. It's being considered one of the largest real-world analyses of this. And guess what it shows? Here we go again. The Israeli study showing that natural immunity, natural immunity, after you've had the virus, is 13 times more effective than the vaccines which are trying to stop the Delta variant. Pretty amazing. But the debate goes on. 
I thought we were supposed to listen to the science, weren't we? All right. We'll open up the phones to you. Thank God it's Friday. We're going to talk about uh, the comparative results. Come take a tour. Learn more about a Challenger School education for your child. Details at challengerschool.com. We're live, we are local, and we are everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. How are you, everybody? Welcome back to the Radar Ketcho here on Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you'll know it's 5 o'clock, it's Friday, and you all know what that means. It is time for Thank Rod, it's Friday. We're going to open up the phones to you here in just a minute and let you sound off about the events of this past week, past two weeks, as a matter of fact. I wasn't here last Friday taking a vacation, uh, so I know you've got a lot on your mind and you want to speak up. Now, before we get to that, a couple of things. As Abby just mentioned, you know, the tragedy there at, at the airport in Kabul has hit home. A uh, Marine from Utah, his name is Staff Sergeant Taylor Hoover, was among the 13 U.S. service members who were killed on the attack outside of the airport. We're just getting word of that. Apparently, he was a graduate of Hillcrest High School in Midvale, and Abby, of course, continues to work and get even more information. We also had uh, a young Marine killed uh, in um, in Afghanistan who was from Wyoming, not far from Jackson Hole, from what we understand. And you're getting a reaction. There is a, uh, a father of one of the Marines who was killed, and this was a U.S. Marine Kareem Nakawi, I believe is how the name is pronounced. He was one of the fallen uh, warriors from the uh, attack. He was born the same year as the 9-11 attacks. He was 20 years old. He, he, he was a baby when the towers came down, when the attack on the Pentagon and the plane in Pennsylvania went into the ground. He, was a, he, he, he had just been born, and now he's there in Afghanistan fighting for our, our freedoms, trying to help people get out, and he's lost his life in service to his community. As a matter of fact, the story was told that his dad uh, had been watching TV around the clock since the, ex- since the explosions yesterday trying to get information on his son and he found out last evening when some marine showed up at the door and delivered the tragic news he thanked him he appreciated him but he asked him to leave uh, as quickly as they could because his family was not home and he was worried that his family would see them on the doorstep when they pulled into the driveway he wanted him to leave so he could tell him himself and he is very upset by the way at Joe Biden tonight, and we'll get your reaction to the events. But before we do that, uh, the the comparisons to Jimmy Carter are getting stronger and stronger now. Remember when Biden first took office, a lot of people were trying to compare him to Jimmy Carter, and and people were saying, no, it really doesn't hold water because he didn't have a foreign policy issue that he had to deal with, like Jimmy Carter did with the Iranian hostages. Well, now Joe Biden, Joe Biden has that comparison. And joining us on our Newsmaker line to talk about that is Craig Shirley. Craig is an author, historian, one of the really experts on Ronald Reagan's presidency. Craig, thank you for joining us tonight. I almost feel like I've stepped back in time to the 1970s. Gas lines, the Iranian hostage situation, Jimmy Carter. Am I wrong with this, Craig? No, you're not. You're absolutely right. And as a matter of fact, it's it's a step back deep into time because, in a way, Carter in his first two years was was not bad. He came to he came to Washington when he was elected in seventy six. He came with the best of intentions. He was going to shrink and reorganize government. Uh, he uh, he uh, was uh, about a strong national defense. He was a former Navy man, 
and he hinted at a middle class tax cut, and he wanted to re, you know do basically uh, some very conservative things. He, he switched as years went by, but uh, he didn't uh, step out into left wing lunacy the way Biden has so quickly. Of course, Carter you know lost uh, Iran, lost Afghanistan, uh, left uh, fifty five hostages in uh, in uh, Iran and Tehran. But Joe Biden has left, what, 1,500 uh, or more mm-hmm. Americans hostage, uh, potential to be hostages in a uh, hostile country and, and trying to make deals with the Taliban, who are, you know, who are our mortal enemies, who we've been fighting for uh, 20 years. So nobody knows what he's thinking about right now. Former President Trump said it's uh, unfair to Jimmy Carter to compare Jimmy yeah, Carter to Joe, Joe Biden. I mean, maybe, maybe, I think he, I think Trump is onto something. <laughs> it's a good line, anyway. Is but it is it unfair? They broke to, down in history. Yeah. The history is being already written about Joe Biden about his uh, one term. Uh, I doubt he'll uh, be uh, be elected to a second term. But that requires the Republicans to uh, to get their act together, and that's that's a that's a stretch. Um, but assuming that he is a one-term president, he's going to go down in history. I would guess in the in the lower, uh, you know, fifth percentile, tenth uh, percentile of American presidents with James Buchanan and with uh, Franklin Pierce and Rutherford B. Hayes, Herbert Hoover, Richard Nixon, Jimmy Carter. Well, let me ask you about Jimmy Carter, because you studied him as you put together yeah. your biographies yeah, on, uh, uh, on Ronald Reagan. What happened? Because you said when he first came in, things looked pretty good, but then they started going south very quickly. What happened to Carter? I think he was seduced by Washington and power. Uh, by, the second, by the second half of his first term, his only term, uh, he created uh, new federal bureaucracies, uh, he was he, inflation was starting to rage out of control. Gas prices were out of control, and and he took some very bad advice with the uh, now uh, notorious Malay speech, in which he, he essentially blamed the American people for the ills of affecting uh, the the country. And I remember uh, Governor former Governor Reagan at the time said the problem is not with the American people. The problem is with the leadership of the American people. Uh, Reagan knew all along that uh, the American believed the American people were uh, good, and that uh, the, the leadership uh, could be touch and go. Sometimes we had very good leadership, and sometimes we didn't. And when we in the late seventies, we had very bad leadership. And I think also Carter, just you know, as Bill Buckley once told me, was he was lost in power. He didn't understand the, the presidency as as a as a he thought it was a managerial concern. Instead, instead of a uh, instead of about leadership, uh, uh, you know, w- one wag at the time said that if you ask Jimmy Carter what time it was, he'd tell you how to build a watch, <laughs> and if you ask Ronald Reagan what time it was, Reagan would say it's time to get this country moving again. I remember that time, as I know you do as well, and it felt like in the country that something was wrong in America, yes. that we weren't as great as we used to be. And yes. all of us, you know, and, and that was the Carter period, and then we had this guy named Ronald Reagan who tended to lift us up. Do you yes. think we're in that same period now when we yes. were with Carter kind of just down on America, we can't seem to do anything right, what is going yes. on in the country? Yeah. I think I think that's exactly right, Rod. I think I think we're in that time period again. There is there is a dialectic to American presidential history. We go through periods of, of great presidents like Franklin Roosevelt, and then then down and then a downswing through Richard Nixon, Gerald Ford, 
Jimmy Carter, and then an upswing again of Reagan, and then again a downswing. And we've done this be- since the beginning of the of the Republic with George Washington, and then a downswing, and then up again with uh, Abraham Lincoln, and mm-hmm. then a downswing again, and then an upswing with Teddy Roosevelt, then a downswing again with Herbert Hoover and Calvin Coolidge and others, and then and then FDR. And we're we're in the we're in the, we're in the pits right now. We, we've gone. We, we we had Reagan. Uh, now what? Forty years ago, mm-hmm. uh, you know, thirty five years ago, and we're in a downturn right now we, between the Bushes, uh, between Obama, uh, uh, Joe Biden, and so we're 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 actually due. We're overdue now for a great president again. How? How does America deal with this, do you think, Craig? For, I mean, Joe Biden's going to be around unless something changes until January 20th of 2025. He's going to be around for a while. How does America deal with this? Well, what we have to do is, uh, as Reagan said in 1980, he said, don't believe in our leaders, believe in ourselves. And we have to, we have to re-embrace the federalism as, to, as, uh, as uh, created by the Founding Fathers, which, which was basically uh, power devolves down to the states and localities and individuals and we we can we edit out the bad portions I and mean, that is mostly all of, of of all forms of government whether it's uh, public schools that are stink uh, uh or whether it's uh, uh the national government which is atrocious uh the IRS which is atrocious the postal system which is atrocious we edit those things out of our our culture as much as possible uh and 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 we hope that the Republican party does what Newt Gingrich did back in 94, and it gets his act together and actually stands for something. It's not enough to oppose things. You can't just say, I oppose Joe Biden. You've got to offer an alternative. And that's what, that's what uh, Gingrich did so brilliantly uh, with the contract with America back in 1993 and 1994. It gave Americans a set of alternatives. We're Republicans, and we stand for these reforms, and we're anti-corruption. We stand for you know, these uh, tax cuts. We stand for this, that, the other thing. And, he, and, 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 and miracle miracles is that uh, uh, Gingrich achieved uh, nine out of ten uh, nine out of the ten mm-hmm. of his uh, of his contract nine points out of ten points the only one he didn't get to get through was term limits and that's because Republicans bailed and all of a sudden became in love with themselves and in love with power instead of uh, sticking to the principles but he did accomplish a lot uh, as as did Reagan uh, interesting thing is rod you know if you think back through history going back to Franklin Roosevelt Every Democratic president has given up territory to what our enemy was at the time. FDR gave up territory at uh, Yalta and Tehran uh, to the Soviet Union. Uh, Terry Truman gave up uh, uh, Cuba and, and at Potsdam mm-hmm. gave mm-hmm. up more to the Soviet Union, mm-hmm. gave up all of, all of uh, China to uh, the communists. Uh, John Kennedy gave up Laos in 1962. Uh, uh, the Democratic Congress gave up South Vietnam in 1975. The Republican president at the time, Gerald Ford, couldn't do anything about it because they cut off the funding. The Democratic Congress cut off the funding. Uh, then Carter lost Nicaragua, uh, Iran, and Afghanistan. Uh, and now uh, uh, Joe Biden has given up Afghanistan again. So he's, 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 he's done a, a double Carter. He's given up uh, Afghanistan again. So uh, Democrats are, uh, unfortunately, whether you like it or not, this is history speaking, uh, not biased, but Democrats are good at, 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 not, at giving up territory to our enemies, much to our chagrin.
Craig Shirley, he is an author, well-known author, a Reagan biographer, talking about uh, the comparisons now between Joe Biden morphing into uh, Jimmy Carter much faster than a lot of people thought he would. All right, when we come back, the phones are open to you. 888-570-8010, 888-570-8010. On your cell phone, dial pound 215, say, hey, Rod, for Thank Rod, it's Friday. And like I started off the show today, we are screwed, folks, because we've got Joe Biden for another three or four years. Your reaction to all this? 5 Oh, I wonder what is on your mind tonight. It's Thank Rod, it's Friday. 888-570-8010. 888-570-8010. Or on your cell phone, now pound 250 and say, hey, Rod. All right, let's go to the phones. And let you sound off about what's going on in this uh, great community, great straight, great country that we live in. And like I said, I just think we're screwed with Joe Biden in office for the next three, three and a half years. All right, to the, to the phones we go. Let's go to Chris in Eagle Mountain tonight. Chris, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Hello, Chris. Chris, we're losing. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, there it is. There, can now, you hear me? Now we've got you, Chris. There we go, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. You know, I got to say, my biggest hope in all of this is that Joe Biden is in Because my biggest fear is that this is all deliberate. You know, I look at what he's done with the border, what he's done with COVID. Your caller, your uh, guest from uh, Chris, I'm going to have to call you back. The signal is just bad. So if you'd like to call back, please do so, and we'll get you on the phone because we couldn't understand what you were saying. I think he was trying to say, you know, his it, it, the bigger fear is not that Joe Biden won't be there, but that Kamala Harris could be. That's even scarier. Back to the phones we go. Let's go to Tremont and listen to what Russell has to say tonight on Thank Rod, It's Friday. Hi, Russell. How are you? I'm good, sir. Thanks for letting me talk. Yeah. Um, I just want to ask a question out there. Um, I, I'm wondering if, in the wake of all this, if conservatives still feel the same way about refugees, immigration, and foreign policy because of what's happening in Afghanistan. And let me first say I'm not supporting what I'm not even close to supporting what Biden has done. I think it's a complete crap show. But not long ago, we were talking about our southern border. And so I just want to challenge the mindset of have we been thinking it all wrong? Should we reconsider what we've been discussing about having not amnesty, not illegal immigration, but more open immigration because what's going to happen to these refugees from Afghanistan? Are, are they are they coming here? And and I, nobody's talking about that really. I mean, I, I know the governors said, "Hey, we'll admit them," but we're what, what's the discussion's been? Because that's not typically been the discussion about letting refugees to the southern border. I know it's not exactly the same, but it's it's pretty similar. There, you know, other than we're helping we're helping that side escape instead of them just coming here, right? What do you, what, uh, Russell? What do you think we should be doing? What what do you think? I mean, well, what, what is the approach that we should take, in your opinion? Well, at the very least, we need to reconsider, uh, um, for one, the foreign policy decisions from not just Democrats or Republican stock. I mean, we've been out there less than a month, and it's uh, my heart breaks for anybody that's dedicated all that time and and given lives and children and and everything else that's gone to support it, and for what? Nothing, right? And, and instead, it's like, well, why do we go over there? We we went over there to to liberate the oppressed, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we look at the cost of the financial burden, the lives and all that, if we look at that in retrospect, what would it have cost to instead say, if you want to flee your crappy country that's under the food of a tyrant, or tyrant we'll give you a work visa, let you come here, and let's, we'll talk about getting you here to 
to get rid of your country. And guess what happens? Suddenly, it's a zombie country that, that nobody wants to go to. Do you, does anybody see anybody fleeing to Afghanistan right now? <laughs> Heavens no, right? No. So it's like, no. how long are they going to sustain? <laughs> yeah. All right. All right, Russell. Interesting point. Back to the phones we go. Let's talk with uh, Dave in Provo tonight here on Think Rod. It's Friday. Dave, how are you? Welcome to the show. I'm good. How are you guys doing on this beautiful Friday? Oh, I love it. I love it. The fact that it's Friday, I love it. Dave, what are your thoughts tonight? Excellent. So I wanted to weigh in on Afghanistan. You guys graciously took my call in earlier. I served in the U.S. Navy, and I brought up the idea, hey, why don't we take out the Taliban leadership and attack the Taliban in the streets because, you know, they're out in the open now. And, uh, Mr. Rod, you asked me if the American people are ready for that or would they be open to that. And I kind of want to throw that out to the audience now. Now we lost, so you know, now we lost Marines and a Navy medic. Are we ready to take action? Like, is this what it's going to take? Or could there, you know, are we just going to let the attacks keep happening? Well, my question is on that, Dave, and I understand what you're saying there. But if we take out the Taliban, okay, let's say we go in and take out the Taliban with a renewed force. I don't know if there's much of an appetite for that in this country right now. But once we do that, after we do that, if we wipe them out, and I have no doubt that we could, even though they may run and hide in their caves again, then what, Dave? I mean, then what do we do with Afghanistan? So the, my main issue with how Biden did it is there's a way to do a tactical withdrawal. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. We should oh, have yeah. gotten out Amer- Amer- American civilians and those who helped us out first. Yes. Then, with our force still there, then... No, we lost you, Dave. Sorry about that. You you dropped off on us. Sorry. Uh, 888-570-8010-888-570-8010. That's equal T-O-O. Part of Seneca's conversations on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank God it's-, it's Friday. Thank God it's Friday. All right, welcome back to Think Rod. It's Friday, 888-570-8010 on your cell phone, dial pound 250, and say, hey, Rod, back to the phones. We've had some uh, people waiting to uh, weigh in on Think Rod. It's Friday. Let's go to uh, Richard in Mill Creek tonight here on the Rod Arquette Richard, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Rod, I'm doing fantastic. I've, I, I only had two quick comments. Now I have three. Okay. <laughs> The uh, I, I listened to that guy talking about the our immigration policy and with what we're doing in Afghanistan, maybe we ought to relook at our southern borders. And if I mean that is so apples and oranges to me, we're trying to save people that have basically had a, a death warrant signed out against them who've been working with us for twenty years, mm-hmm. versus people that are trying to sneak across the border, involved in drugs and sex trafficking and all sorts of other things. I mean, 
I mean, of course, there's great people that are coming up through the South, but follow the process. Yeah, there's such, but I just say there's such a difference between trying to save people's lives of people who've worked with us and people that are trying to sneak in, and we don't know whether they're trying to do nefarious things or not. Good point. Second, and second, Rod, I mean, I don't know about you, but seeing Joe Biden with his head down in his oh, hands really oh. instilled a lot of confidence in me. <laughs> and and now and now we're gonna now we're gonna get tough. <laughs> And we're going to go in and bomb and do all this, that, and the other. Well, you know what? The people that died, which, by the way, is horrific, it was a suicide bomber. I mean, you, you slap on a, you slap, these people will slap on a vest, walk into a crowded space, and blow the hell out of you. You can't, you can't fly an F-16 around and go, gee, there's another suicide bomber. <laughs> I mean, when you have all these people so close to the airport, it's a pretty hard, the way that we could have protected these people is to kept, keep them away from the airport in the first place. And finally, I, I look at, you know, every time I hear Abby's, those COVID numbers, I'm sitting here wondering if we're, if they're still using those, those PCR tests because the FDA is no longer recognizing that test because of the millions of false positives. But of course, but we're going to still use them to December because we don't want to run out because we haven't used them all up yet. I'm going, now that's logical. <laughs> well. and, and then I look at, and then I look at these NFL, I look at these, this NFL policy they have. And I saw an article yesterday, 65 uh, staff and players have tested positive for COVID, and 32 of them were fully vaccinated. So who are you going to penalize, the unvaccinated or the vaccinated? <laughs> ah, good points. The world is out of control, Rod. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Richard, right. It is out of control at times, isn't it? All right, let's go to Paul in Spanish Fork tonight here on Thank Rod. It's Friday. Paul, how are you? Welcome to the show. Hey, uh, yes, Rod. You asked the question, who's... Uh pulling uh, President Obama, uh, Biden's strings. It's President Obama. Oh, Biden sure. and Harris are Obama's third term, and uh, it's coming. Uh, Obama let 200 prisoners go from Getmo, and they're coming back to haunt us. And uh, to me, the real uh, Benedict Arnold is uh, Obama. Well, look at, look at this, Paul. I mean, look at the staff of Joe Biden. All of them worked, almost all of them worked, for one, hmm, Barack Obama. So how this is Barack Obama's third term. He couldn't get away with it in the first two terms that he had, as you know, Paul, because the Republicans controlled the Senate. Now that the Democrats control everything, they are just running wild, and it's all being pushed by Barack Obama. I totally agree with you on that, Paul. Thank you very much for your phone call. Back to the phones we go. Let's go to uh, Tarina, who is in Fountain Green tonight. Tarina, how are you? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great. I tried calling in the other night when you had Greg Sportis on. Mm -hmm. My concern with the um, issues that he brought up with the face masks and the pending legalities there is he used the driving, you know, the the driving under the influence, the seatbelt, speeding. But driving is a privilege. School is not. It's a right. That education is a right. So I think it does need to be looked at in a different light. All right. A very good point, Arena. Thank you very much for calling in on that. That's right. Uh, they're trying to compare the two. And by the way, uh, late today, Greg Scordis did file uh, in court asking for a uh, temporary restraining order on the enforcement of the mask mandates and banning those. We'll see how a judge rules. Don't know if he'll rule today or it will be on Monday, but that's what they filed. Thank Rod, it's Friday. It's Friday. Thank Rod, it's Friday.
great way to start the weekend. A little uh, music from Huey Lewis in the news. So I can, they performed several years ago. I think that at Stadium of Fire, as I recall. They put on a whale of a show. Man, that was a lot of fun. All right. Um, you know, before I go back to the phone calls, lines are open, by the way. 888-570-8010. 888-570-8010. Or on your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say, hey, Rod. And like I said at the start of the show, I've said it a couple of times already today. We're screwed, folks, because you think of it. You've got the incompetent, senile Joe Biden. That, that picture, and Richard brought this up in one of our callers a moment ago, of him with his head down and his hands over his face during the question from Peter Ducey yesterday. I mean, that's a leader? So let's say Joe Biden says, okay, just can't take this. Who do we get next? Kamala Harris? Folks, we are screwed. 888-570-8010. Back to the phones we go. And let's talk with uh, Marcus in Park City tonight here on Thank Rod, It's Friday. Hi, Marcus. Hey, thanks for taking my call. And by the way, thank you for it being Friday. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Glenn Beck told a little story yesterday morning that mm-hmm. caught my ear. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that there's a little gas pipeline company that wanted to build a pipeline from Afghanistan, all the way up through Uzbekistan, all the way up to the Baltic. And for the past eight years, they haven't been able to, and they've been hitting roadblocks right and left from the uh, former government in Afghanistan. But now it seems like they've got the green light and the go-ahead. And guess what the name of the little gas company is? No, tell us, because I think I know. Burisma. (laughs) Now, I don't know. Something Something smells in Denmark. Rod, and they don't have an interest in this. I, I guarantee it. Uh, well, we're losing you, Marcus. But you're right. I did hear. I just caught the tail end of it. Uh, and I think it was yesterday that Glenn mentioned that uh, of what was going on with that pipeline. And, yes, this company called Barisma is involved in all of this. Very, very interesting. By the way, the job Glenn has done this past week and what the Nazarene Fund has done is unbelievable. It is absolutely amazing what Glenn Beck and his team has done. That 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 deserves some recognition for sure. All right, back to the phones we go here on the Rod Kent Show. Let's go to uh, Fred, who's in Willard tonight. Fred, how are you? Welcome to the Rod Kent Show. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Hi. Go ahead. I'm Fred. Oh, go ahead. Yep. Go ahead. Am I talking? Yep. Am you're I talking. talking or... You sure are. Go ahead. Hi. This is Fred. Hmm. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Article 3, Section 3 of the Constitution. It uh, has to do with treason. Mm-hmm. And out of this book, uh, it's uh, the Founding Fathers and JusticeLearning.org. It says what that means. Treason is the only crime specifically defined in the Constitution. According to Article 3, Section 3, a person is guilty of treason if he or she goes to war against the United States or gives aid or comfort to an enemy. He or she does not have to physically pick up a weapon and fight in combat against U.S. troops, actively helping the enemy by passing along classified information or supplying weapons, for example, can lead to charges of treason. Boy, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Well, they've left a lot of weapons over to our to our enemies. Boy, they sure have. All right, and Fred. Yeah. All right, Fred, thank you. I want to get a couple more calls in before the break. Let's go to uh, Sue in uh, Holiday. Sue, how are you? Welcome to the Rod Arquette Show. I'm fine, thank you. And you're absolutely right. 
this is Barack Obama's third term. Not only does uh, John, not only do they use use his chief of staff, Ron Klain is for Barack or Biden's chief of staff, and Susan Rice, who is his secretary of state, is in there to run in the show just like Ron Klain. Yeah. The two, the three of them are the Biden administration and actually the administration for the entire country, I think, because Biden is not making the decisions. He's not strong enough. No, he's not. He has to go take a nap every afternoon by the sounds of it. All right, let's get in one more call. Aaron in Smithfield. Aaron, you've got just about 45 seconds. Go. Okay, I'll jump on as quick as I can. Uh, The reason we're in this situation is our fault. We've allowed these uh, uh, corrupt politicians to take power. We need to start taking it back on a local level, whether it's a revitalization of the Tea Party or whatever. We also have to contribute to the people that stand for us. If we want a regular citizen to run for office, we have to help support him. I sent money to uh, California. I sent money to Herschel Walker. I sent money to the uh, uh, Detroit police chief. We've got to support the grassroots politicians that want to change our country. You're absolutely right, Aaron. Well put, and thank you very much for that. I wanted to give you a date real fast. I wanted to give you a date. Let me get my calendar here. All right, where are we? All right, uh, let's see. Uh, This would be November 1st, 2022. November 1st, 2022. If we want to start taking our country back, that is the date of the midterm elections. November 1st, 2022. Mark it down now. Results. Come take a tour. Learn more about a Challenger School education for your child. Details at challengerschool.com. We're live, we're local, and everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. How are you, everybody? Welcome back. Final hour of the Rod Arquette Show on this Thank Rod, It's Friday. And Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you'll know... Still a lot to come this hour if we wrap up another week. Uh, a little bit later on, we'll focus again on our Live On campaign that iHeartMedia and Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS is doing, along with the state of Utah and the Strong Auto Group in an effort to prevent suicide here in the state of Utah. And we've got two great segments for our Listen Back Friday segments that we do every Friday. That's coming up a little bit later on this hour right here on the Rod Arquette Show. Earlier this week on the show, we aired a brand-new attack ad being released by the office of the former President Donald Trump against Joe Biden. It's a pretty devastating ad. And, of course, last week, the former president held a huge rally in Alabama where there were some 30,000 people who showed up in the rain to hear what the president had to say about Joe Biden's first eight months in office. He was brutal in attacking the former president. But sometimes... Less is more? Is that the case for former President Donald Trump? Well, joining us on our Newsmaker line to talk about that right now is Derek Hunter. He writes for Town Hall, also a uh, radio host in the Baltimore area. Always great to have Derek on the show. Derek, thank you very much. It's kind of funny as you watch this. Donald Trump remains out in front. He can't use social media anymore. So he is going around in these rallies in his office putting together these attack ads on Joe Biden right now. Is this what he thinks will work for the American people? No, and in a lot of cases, that's fine. You can understand there's the thought that there's no such thing as bad publicity and you want to pile on your opponent when they're destroying themselves, but sometimes less is more, I think, Rod. And that's, that was the point of what I wrote at, at Town Hall, is when your opponent is destroying themselves, let them get out <laughs> of the way. And right now the media is oddly, curiously, doing their job 
you know, they're reporting honestly about Joe Biden is not pretty for him. And the more that the former president weighs in, the more likely it is that they are eventually going to go, well, let's, let's report on what Trump is saying and take the focus off of Joe Biden's failure. The polling shows that people are noticing Joe Biden's failure. You shouldn't do anything to take, even if you think you're accentuating it. The people who are reporting honestly about Joe Biden might go, whoa, wait, we got to stop this. You don't want them to stop this. You want them to keep reporting. So I would suggest that the president just kind of let it go. No, no need to release a statement about everything that's going on in the world. Sometimes you, the best way to silence is worth a thousand words. By staying out in front of this, Derek, or trying to as best he possibly can, is he possibly opening up himself to the media who, like you said, so far have been somewhat critical of Joe Biden to take a look at what he would have done and all, almost make himself, again, part of the story, and maybe he shouldn't be? Right. Well, they, they will try to make him part of the story. They already have said this was on his timeline. Of course, he had benchmarks in his plan that were not met, and they don't give nuance. And the Biden administration has tried to blame the Trump administration for, quote, tying their hands on this. But that's not true, and it hasn't really been bought yet by the media. I, I think, look, when, when your opponent is committing suicide, let them. Let them get out of the way. And I understand that's not Donald Trump's way, but every once in a while, you know, a home run hitter bunting it really throws the, the other team into a loop. Donald Trump being quiet while Joe Biden is being uh, savaged by the media, accurately so and justifiably so, I think it would be the smart play to go here. I, mean, I could be wrong. Donald Trump got elected president. I didn't. But I think every once in a while, you just need to step out of the way and let somebody else get hit by the pitch. You're a former press secretary for a U.S. senator at the time. Why is it so hard? Derek, for politicians who just can't seem to you know, hold themselves back. They want to jump in on everything. They want to comment on something. They want to be out in front of this. Why is it so hard, not all politicians, for some, but for some politicians to hold off? They really believe they're on press. I mean, let's be honest. Everything from, hey, we got federal money to build a swimming pool for the community <laughs> to this latest tragedy you have you, you'll see those press releases flying out of Capitol Hill like crazy, and you just sit there and you go, "I I know how this works. You didn't have anything to do with this, but you've got to take credit. They want to take credit. They want to be seen as caring. It'd be much easier, Rod, if they just actually care, you know. But they want to be seen as caring. They want to be seen as involved. It's bizarre to me. It's counterproductive to me because then people. You know, if you want to weigh in on every tragedy and every single thing that comes in there, then you start to be associated with those things, and that just doesn't work. You become responsible. You take part ownership in those things. But politicians believe that they can, that uh, when they leave the bathroom, mm-hmm. it smells like a meadow of fresh-cut flowers. <laughs> the reality we all know it to be. But, Joe, you know, from Donald Trump's perspective, I mean, uh, apparently he had quite the turnout in Alabama this week. Some 30,000 is the number I, I heard. I'm not sure if that figure is accurate, Derek. But obviously he feels that there are some Americans out there who want to hang on every word he has to say, and that's just part of his character, isn't it? It is 
part of his character, and that's what was how we got to know him in the '80s and beyond. But he's got thirty thousand people in Alabama. If he doesn't have Alabama, he's got really big problems. This isn't about Alabama. He should remember what happened in Georgia, and right down there, it's more problematic. So I, I would say losing Georgia, losing two Senate seats in Georgia is more problematic than him getting or more indications of of things than him getting 30,000 people in Alabama to show up. I would I would err on the side. The people who love him are going to love him. Going to hate him. This is a battle for the middle. And the people who looked at Joe Biden and said, "I guess we'll go with him because I just, you know, I need a break from Trump." Well, Joe Biden has been an unmitigated disaster. Trump would be light years better by any unit of measure. People will come to that conclusion on their own. They might be reminded of why they were exacerbated in the first place and voted for this senile old man if he keeps giving them reason to remember it. That's why I would say be quiet. Yeah, I was going to say, what recommendation? Should he say anything? Should he, you know, give himself some time, analyze things? Should he let others speak for him? What, you know, I can't see that happening because he, he loves to be out in front of everything. But what what should he do? He could just say nothing for a while. There's there's nothing wrong with that. There's not, I mean, I'm not talking about him going to events and doing his rallies and doing his speeches and, and saying what he says there. Those, what he did in Alabama, it's great. And that's there for the crowd. It's playing for the crowd. But I'm talking about the written statements that he puts out, seemingly with the frequency of tweets through his spokeswoman and uh, all the people who retweeted on social media. He weighs in on things several times a day. It's like he, he has a Twitter account by proxy with all of these people. That's where I would give it a rest. If asked, he can answer questions, but the unprovoked taking of the spotlight from the guy who's making a fool of himself in the spotlight, I think strategically is a mistake. On our Newsmaker line, Derek Hunter from Town Hall talking about President Donald Trump and his continuing efforts to attack Joe Biden. More coming up on the Rod Kent Show and Utah's Talk Radio. Only on iHeart. Number one for music radio and podcasts. All in one app. The Rod Arquette Show on Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen in, you'll know. Welcome back. You know, over the past several months, you've heard us talk about preventing suicide here in the state of Utah. It's all part of the Live On campaign that we're working together in a public-private partnership with a strong auto group and the state of Utah to emphasize to people there are things you can do if you're emotionally challenged right now, even if you're contemplating suicide, There are so many resources out there for you to turn to to get you the help. And that's what the Live On campaign is all about. And it's been a great campaign. We've been able to talk to a lot of people. And joining me right now on our uh, Newsmaker line to talk more about suicide here in the state of Utah is Libby Hinckley. Libby is with the uh, Central Utah Counseling Center. Libby, thanks for joining us this afternoon. What is the Central Utah Counseling Center all about, Libby? So we're the mental health authority in the six counties of Central Utah. We help people in Juab, Millard, Sam Pete, Severe, Wayne, and Paiute. And we have a, 
a bunch of mental health services that are available. We have individual therapy. I know therapists go out to the schools and help kids. We have a new MCOT team that's starting, which we're really excited about to get information out to the community. So Central Utah Counseling has a lot to offer in Central Utah for mental health services. Libby, let's talk about suicide in rural areas and the challenges that people face there and getting the counseling that they need. How big of a challenge is it for people? It can be difficult, especially in rural America. I know that suicide rates are harder, are higher in rural communities. And there's a little bit more of a stigma, I think, to seeking mental health services in those rural communities. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We do parenting classes, and I know we have parents that won't come to a parenting class if I offer it at the counseling center. So we offer it at school because they don't want to have their car seen parked out front of the counseling center. But if we have that type of a mentality in our small communities, because everybody knows what your car looks like, everybody knows who you are, it can, it can be a barrier for people trying to seek out those mental health services. Why, why is suicide higher in rural areas? Do you have some thoughts on that, Libby, what you've seen? Well, there's a lot of things. I think big challenges, there are a lot of big challenges in rural areas. We have a lot of people in the farming community, and there's been a lot of ups and downs. Like this year, we have a drought that can really be a burden to our farmers, making sure that they have enough water. Are they going to get enough of a crop yield? Are their animals going to be okay? And for farmers, you put a lot of money in up front, and then you hope that at the end mm-hmm. you can recover that. Doing So there's a lot of stress built into that, or stress in we've lost one employer in our community. Well, a lot of people work from that one employer. I think this, after COVID, having a lot of uh, online or remote work available is helping in that, where it's not such a, oh, this is my small community. There's not a job for me right here. I'm going to have to go farther away. Libby, how difficult is it for people living in uh, rural uh areas like you serve in central Utah to overcome the stigma of the fact that they may need some, you know, mental help or emotional help. How difficult is it for them to overcome that stigma? You mentioned that everybody knows who everybody else is. They know the kind of car you drive. I mean, how difficult is that for people, Libby? 
I think that can be really difficult, but I think when we talk to people out in our community, they seem to feel it's okay for other people to seek help, but not them. Mm-hmm. So I think if we can get that information out that other people are not judging you because your car is parked at the counseling center, I think that can help with removing some of that stigma. And I think some of that is changing. We also offer telehealth services, and that helps. Because then your car isn't parked somewhere else. It's at your home, and you're communicating mm-hmm. with your therapist online. Mm-hmm. And that can make a big difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what about young people who live in rural communities? Do they face the same type of challenges that the adults face, do you feel, Libby, when it comes to suicide? They have a lot of challenges with suicide in our young people in our area, but they seem more willing to seek mental health services and to seek help when they need it. So uh, there's a lot of hope in that younger generation, I think. What would you say is your biggest challenge in helping people when it comes to uh, you know uh, mental illness or even suicide? What's the, what's the biggest challenge for a community, a counseling center like yours in a rural area? Getting the word out that there's help available. Our offices are far between, so you can't go just around the corner. Mm -hmm. You have to really search out finding a mental health professional that can help. And we don't have a a lot. So if you don't get along with the one or two in Wayne County, then where do you go? So getting those services out, letting people know there's telehealth services, there's lots of other community things available. We teach a lot of QPR, uh, suicide awareness classes in the community, mental health first aid classes in the community. We work a lot with the youth. The youth have a youth coalition that talks to kids in the schools about mental health. And I think just letting people know that we do have resources out in these communities. Is there more, Libby, you think the state could do to help you out? I mean, funding, of course, is always an issue. But is there more that could be done to help get word out to those rural communities that you serve? I think, I think the Live On campaign does a great job. Because if you go into the Live On campaign website and you click your community, it will give you the mental health services in that community. It, it does help having a one place that people can go and look for that information. We try to get it out every time we're doing something in the community. We'll do a walk for a suicide walk out of the darkness run, and we'll make sure that we have information on all the places, not just the counseling center, but other places in the community that you can also go for mental health services. We try to make sure we get that out there as much as possible, but I do think having a place like the Live On website where I don't have to know the five people that are working out of the counseling center trying to get everyone to know what's available, I can go to this website and click on it, and I can find information of what's available in my community. Libby Hinckley, she is with the Central Utah Counseling Center, part of our Live On campaign, right here on Talk Radio 105.9. Google Any Hour Services. You can even schedule online at anyhourservices.com. No one helps more homeowners than Any Hour Services. The 
Rod Arquette Show on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. All right, welcome back. Final half hour of the Rod Arquette Show on this Thank Rod It's Friday with Utah's Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Now, it was a week ago today that Salt Lake City Mayor Aaron Mendenhall claimed that she had the authority to do so, and she did it. She ordered a mask mandate for all schools K-6 through in the Salt Lake City area. Now, she was directly challenging a state law, and many lawmakers are very upset about what she's trying to do and have basically said that her mandated mask order is not enforceable. We spoke earlier this week with State Representative Mike Schultz, who is the majority whip in the Utah House and was a major player in putting some of this legislation together. He had posted a week ago Sunday on his Facebook page a scathing rebuke of the mayor. And I asked Mike, I said, Mike, you sound frustrated. You sound angry as well. How do you feel about what the mayor has done? Absolutely. I'm, I'm frustrated. I think any time that uh, a mayor steps out of her authority and, and twists the law to to, to benefit her is, is frustrating. And, and certainly something I believe that we as a legislature shouldn't just stand by and watch uh, ha- happen. I think that this is, uh, it happens uh, occasionally, and we need to make sure that we're addressing it as that, as that happens. Under the current law, Mike, and current laws here in the state of Utah, what powers, emergency powers, do mayors have? And do this situation with COVID and the Delta variant could that fall under any of the powers that she has? Well, so, you know, it's interesting. So this, this time last year, she certainly had the power to do that. And the legislature recognized that, you know, a state of emergency was set up for floods, fires, earthquakes, those types of things, not necessarily a long, drawn-out health pandemic. And so we put some steps in place uh, in regards to a pandemic and uh, a health health. Uh, a health uh, crisis or a mm-hmm, health uh, mm-hmm. issue, and, and and we put those parameters in in place, and uh, that's what she needs to follow is the parameters that was put in place by uh, it was SB one ninety five, I believe, and then there was a subsequent bill that followed it up during the special session. But that laid out the process for a state of emergency, uh, mask mandates, and any other type of constraint uh, that would be imposed on its citizens. And that was to, for the local uh, uh, the local health departments to be working with the local, local elected officials in their respective counties. Why did lawmakers feel it was important, Mike, at the time to put some of these parameters in place? What, what, what was driving those decisions? Yeah, well, I think a lot of us felt really... Uh, <laughs> didn't like what we saw in regards to executive orders coming out uh, left and right from executives all around the state and and wanted the legislative bodies to do a little more thorough input on it and 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 not just the executives but also the county health departments um you know a lot of these orders that came last year came from the county health departments and so we wanted to be able to 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 have an elected official that the citizens could hold accountable make the ultimate call on these types of decisions. And that's what the whole intent of this was. And, and that's where the mayor's getting outside of these bounds because we put that process in place. And, you know, I'm, I represent schools or areas that have five or six different cities, five or six different mayors that all attend the same school. Can you imagine what chaos that would cause <laughs> if each mayor tries to, to, to impose uh, the different mandates? Like, this was never intended this way. 
uh, for this to happen. There's a process set forth uh, for the local health departments to work with the local county officials, and that's what is frustrating to me that that process mm-hmm. uh, was not followed. Well, the lo- the law that you passed, from what I understand, Mike, and you would have a better understanding of this for sure, is that the law that was passed earlier does limit local health departments and the governor's emergency authority over mask orders. And apparently the mayor said, well, I'm not on that list, so I can do whatever I darn well please. No, it, it limits all orders of constraint. And, and the mask mandate falls under the orders of constraint. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So she... she... The mayor know, mayor's attorneys know that they've stepped outside of what the legislature believes the intent was and, and, and what we believe the law is. Our attorneys have spoken with her attorneys. She's well aware of where we believe the law is. And, uh, yeah, clearly, it, you know, for orders of constraint is where she's, uh, and a mass mandate certainly is an order of constraint. Mm-hmm. What can you do about it right now? Is there, is there much lawmakers can do right now about it, Mike? Uh, Rod, you know, there's a couple things that can be done. Obviously, lawsuits can be filed and work its way through the courts. Uh, legislature could convene itself uh, into a special session, or there's, you know, we, we handle it on one of our next special sessions uh, or the general session. But it will be ad- uh, uh, addressed and dealt with. Uh, I'm just not sure quite of the timing of that yet. Mm-hmm. And do you feel under SB uh, 195, Mike, that a clear process was established there there there's no gray in the process that you set up in my opinion there's there's no gray uh and certainly in the intent i think anytime you can try to twist the the law um to 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 meet your what your outcome is that's at what best what i think she's 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 done here but she's she's been made well aware that was not the intent. We don't believe the law reads the way that she's interpreting it to, to read, and our legislative attorneys have let her attorneys know that as well. You know, what I don't understand, Mike, is she is the city attorney. What power does she have over a school district and telling a school district that they have to mask up? I don't understand where she sees she has authority to do that when it comes to schools. Well, it, it's certainly not enforceable, Ron, and that's the thing that, that's hard. Is it, it puts everybody in a bad situation when this happens. When you step outside of the things that you have the power over, uh, it certainly puts everybody in, in, in a bad situation. You can imagine the principals and teachers, uh, you know, do they enforce it, do they not enforce it? And by the way, I want to point out that not even the school district would support her on this. She asked to get support from the school district, and they didn't even vote to support her on this. Where do you go from here with this? Do you think, Mike? What do you What do you see? Well, What's the end game here? You know what we're gonna We're gonna talk with our caucuses um, and uh, as a legislature as a whole and, and make a determination on what we feel is the best way forward. I hope that it, it, the issue gets addressed soon, um, sooner than later. Whether the mayor recognizes uh, that there's significant uh, pushback and decides to back away from it on our own, or if we have to do it uh, legislatively or through the court process. As part of our Listen Back Friday segment, State Representative Mike Schultz talking about the mandated mask order being put forth. Service and one voice line. 
Early termination fee applies. Equipment taxes and fees extra and subject to change. Welcome back. Final segment of the Rod Arquencio for this Thank Rod is Friday and also for this week as we get ready for another week of broadcasting next week. Now let's continue with our List Back Friday segments. You know, Afghanistan, the Taliban. How many of you out there really know about the Taliban? Who they are, where they come from, what they're trying to do? Well, earlier this week, we spoke with Dr. Jerry Newcomb. He wrote an article in Town Hall about this, and the article was entitled, What Makes the Taliban Tick? That's exactly what I asked Jerry Newcomb to respond to when I asked him, What Makes the Taliban Tick? Well, basically, they're just strict Islamics, uh, and so they believe that what Muhammad declared in the 7th century is what is normative for today. And so, in effect, Islam never really had a reformation, and so the fundamentalists, you know, fundamentalist Islamics, you know, believe in going back to all the old standards of, you know, Sharia law as laid down by Muhammad, again, in the 7th century. And so both the teachings in the Quran and also the teachings in the Hadith, which are the collection of the sayings and acts of Muhammad, those things are what are normative for today. And that has strong implications. That's why they're just they're doing what they're doing. I mean, it's not, it's not hard to figure it out if you're familiar with, with Islam. In fact, a lot of times people will say, well, radical Islam this and radical Islam that. But the, the people who take Islam, you know, at its roots or whatever are the ones doing all these things. And by our standards, they may seem barbaric, but they view this as this is the revealed will of Allah whom they view as the, you know, the one and only God mm-hmm. in the universe. And so they're just trying to obey him. And it reminds me of what Jesus said in John chapter 16 when he predicted the day would come when men will kill you and think that they're offering a service to God in so killing you. We've always heard, uh, Jerry, and I appreciate you coming on the show tonight, that Islam is in fact a religion of peace. Is it? Well, basically what their view on that is that, yes, it's a religion of peace in the sense that once the whole world submits to Allah, then there will be peace in the world. But if you're not willing to go along with that program, then there's no peace for you. So essentially they, they divide the world into two parts, the, the, uh, the house of peace, which is already submitted to Allah, versus the house of war, which is yet to submit to Allah. So basically they want to take over the whole world and you know you you choose yes or no. So the whole the whole uh attempt in Afghanistan to try and nation build and and effectively try and make it into a American style or western style republic uh, democracy type of thing you know was almost really doomed to fail because within strict Islam those two things are incompatible. Let me ask you about whatever system the government has been operating under now. We are told that the Taliban will reinstitute Sharia law, strict Islamic law. What exactly is that, Jerry? Well, the word itself means in Arabic the way. And it's like this is the way you're supposed to live. And Sharia law uh, has binding on uh, Muslims, you know, basically dictating how they should live in all kinds of different details. And obviously not all Muslims around the world, there's a lot of Muslims around the world, but they don't all follow 
uh, Sharia law. But the the ones who are following it real strictly, like the Taliban or like ISIS or like Al Qaeda, they take it very seriously. And so one of the commands is slay the infidel wherever you may find them. Now, thankfully, there's a lot of moderate Muslims, or um, frankly, they're they're not devout Muslims in many cases. They they don't take those things to heart, and they don't they don't take those things seriously. So they may end up being very good neighbors and so forth because they're not really living out to the dictates of of their particular uh, religion. But the ones who are taking it seriously, they're the ones doing a lot of this killing. Mm-hmm. And, and then, uh, in fact. Yeah, go ahead. And, and does the Taliban take this seriously? Obviously, you feel they do. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And so the beheadings that they're doing, are um, they're just a natural outgrowth. If somebody, for example, uh, is a Muslim, and then they fall away or they convert to another religion specifically, they convert to another religion, they are apostate, and uh, you have the obligation to kill them if they won't change back to Islam. And, in fact... The reports, there was a report just in Breitbart the other day, a couple of days ago, where it said that the Taliban are going around and they're actually grabbing people's cell phones and looking at them, and if they find that there's a Bible app, then they're killing that person right away, you know, as if they're uh, an apostate uh, Muslim mm. who deserves mm. the death penalty because they've fallen away from the what they believe is the true path. A lot of concern has been expressed, as you well know, Jerry, about... Uh, the Taliban and their treatment of women. Would you uh, like to share your thoughts on that and what may happen to the women in Afghanistan? Well, it's not a good position right now. We know that before uh, the American invasion, you know, 20 years ago, in reference to, you know, the fact that uh, we were invaded with 9-11 and Osama bin Laden was harbored by the Taliban. and, And so it was like, give him up or we will invade. And that's they didn't give them up, and that's why they did it. But anyway, before uh, the American uh, presence in Afghanistan, there were women uh, who were treating girls, uh, teaching girls, you know, in school and so mm-hmm. forth, and they were mm-hmm. being killed mm-hmm. by the Taliban uh, because they 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 felt that the the you know this was violating what with their understanding of the Quran and the Hadith is again the sayings of Muhammad. The the women must be uh, covered from head to toe with burqas and so forth. There was a report just last week of a woman killed in Afghanistan because she didn't have a head covering. Um, you know, it was like, oh wow. Uh, the woman's testimony in court is not counted uh, as much as a man's testimony in court. If um, if a woman alleges rape, but there's no witness. Uh, she is not to be believed, and it's just—it's a horrible situation. That's why a lot of the women are trying to get out of, of there. They would like to, you know, escape mm-hmm. yeah. what they know is, um, you know, is going to be coming under is strict Islam. Jerry Newcomb, a contributor at Town Hall, talking about his article on what makes the Taliban tick here on the Rod Arquette Show. All right, that does it for us for this week. Head up, shoulders back. May God bless you and your family. Have a great, safe weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you again on Monday at 4. Have a good weekend. Lucky Land. 
Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.